Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Welcome everybody to the Safina Society Nothing But Facts live stream on a Tuesday in the state of New Jersey. The weather report. It is overcast here. Not too gloomy, so the clouds are light clouds, but it is overcast a bit and um, it's not hot and sunny. And you can really start feel feeling the fall coming in the air. And you got the Rutgers students are now coming in. Um, <clears throat> packing up the highways, packing up the streets, coming in to study. Who knows what they actually do here if they actually study. Some some majors are actually real. Omar, I think you take a real major, right? You actually study classes. Uh, and there are some other... That's a beneficial knowledge right there, the science of IT. You know how many knowledges the human beings have had? And how many get lost? You got me thinking yesterday about what we talked about, the world of the jinn and everything. You know that this thing, it's, there's a physics. This stuff isn't just supernatural mumbo jumbo. There is a, there, there's a physics, there's knowledge, there's a set of laws by which different creations operate. And think about this. How do whales get around? Don't they get around with detecting sonar? Right. If you study fish and stuff. Many of them can't see well. They can't smell. They have a ability to uh, recognize vibrations, and they know where things are. Okay, I don't believe that fish have a strong sense of smell. Right? You, you contrast that with dogs. Great sense of smell. Okay. Well, this is the physics that we know. If you went to took a person from 1995, uh, sorry, 1905. Someone who died in 1905, okay? Bring him back today. Will he not think that this is like a magic land that he's in? Okay. It's so easy to just say magic and superstition when the set of some knowledge doesn't make sense to us or when we're ignorant about something. But that world, which we shouldn't delve into, we shouldn't get involved into, we shouldn't really think too much about, but just to have an understanding where it fits epistemologically for us. And where it fits in terms of, like, how do we make sense of it? That there are realms out there based upon transmission from the Qur'an, from the Sunnah. That's our only trustworthy source, right, for these unseen things. They are unseen to us. It doesn't mean they don't have their own law. It doesn't mean that some people have not been able to manipulate it. There was a time, a man in the time of the Prophet wasallam, that could, he said that his hasad was so strong... The hasid in his eye was so strong, he could knock down a camel. And he did it in front of people. What is hasid? It's very ill will in the heart. And it comes out of the eyes. That's what hasid is. It's ill will inside your heart. It comes out of your eyes. It could come out of people's eyes accidentally. And why do they worry about fame so much? Oh, fame is a disaster. Because as you stand up in front of an audience of 30,000 people, 10,000 people, and you keep talking like this, and like you reach a great pinnacle of success, little bits of hasad come out of the eyes of the people. In, uh, intentionally or unintentionally. This is a belief. We're taking this. Now, the general concept of hasad is we have to believe it as a Muslim. The details of hasad, they come from scholars' experience, people's experience. It doesn't have to be scholars, right? 
but observation, general observation, and I think we could call it anecdotal evidence. Can it yield absolute certain knowledge? Maybe and maybe not. Because if everyone in different cultures of humanity and different eras are all reporting the same thing, then it reaches the level of mutawatir. It's, a, it's an observation that denying it is absurd. Okay? And when you look at every culture, they do what we believe in hasad. They call it different things. The Chinese famously used to put mirrors on the outside of their homes. Okay. Um, why? Because they believed it would re- reflect the Hasid back. The Turks, the Ottomans, uh, in, not pre-Ottoman even, they had a different belief. They Semi-scientific. They believed that the uh, uh, there was a blue stone that actually absorbed the physical Hasid that came out of people's eyes. So that's all by observation and interaction. Why? Because when people are tested with a misery, when a calamity comes down on human beings, we have to find an answer. So scholars work to find answers. Of course, greater than all this, our highest source, in epist- our highest epistemological source is, is the Prophet and the Quran. And we're told that Surah Al-Falaq is a medicine force. So here, the divine has intervened or, 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 or given us medicine because this hasad thing is so prevalent everywhere in the world okay and so we get this um the the, the this 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 secret medicine from the prophet sallallahu from the quran now there is an uns- the world that we live in today let's take electricity like what do you need for electricity you need copper right the copper is always involved in anything electric right Amar, you're an IT guy, right? Does that do you know this stuff? Computer science, IT, electricity, like mechanical. mechanical. Okay, so but electricity, copper, yes, wood, no, right? Like if you want to stop electricity from flowing somewhere, you put wood. Well, why? Just just because how Allah made it. Well, in there is another unseen that other unseen realm that we're talking about does have its own physics and its own laws. It's not randomness and it's not just superstition and words is what matters in that world. The words you say in the same way that like electricity to conduct electricity, you need metals and you need these water, right? When they, when they electrocute somebody, they need water, they need metal, right? They don't want hair. They don't want wood. They don't want leather. Those things, you know, don't conduct, Right. So, uh, why is that the case? That's how Allah made it. As simple as that. Why don't we think that's oh, that a crazy idea? Copper, wood. No, that's how it is. In another realm, it's words that you utter. So this word right here will stop hasad from affecting. And what do we mean when it stops hasad from affecting? It means that A, our dhikr could be strong enough that it literally repels it. How? Because a light comes out with the dhikr. Noor comes out with the dhikr. Okay? And it repels that. Or, the hasid is stronger than our remembrance, and hence the hasid will come, but it will only affect our external. So yeah, my car got dinged up, but I didn't emotionally get upset about it. I didn't, you know, it's not going to cost me much. So the hasid was decreased like that. Okay. Or I've totally got sick. Hasid can make a human, really strong Hasid can make a human being sick. And that person gets sick. And then, but the sickness, it's like, it's not really affecting them. 
like they didn't miss much work. They didn't get emotionally affected, stuff like that. All right. So uh, that's that's how that, the, the vicar will help us in different levels, depending on the, our spiritual strength. How do, how do you get, how do you become a conductor of great spiritual strength? Well, how, if I want something to be, to be conducive to electricity, I want to, I want to rid it of certain things. Don't I, don't I want to rid it of, of non-conducive things like wood, uh, rubber. There's certain things that stop conduction, right? So likewise, the heart, it sins. The, Sins will stop the conduction of nur. For us, our power is light. This is not just nice words and nice talk. There is a science behind it, okay? The con- conductor of spiritual light, you need to rid the heart of sins. Well, what is recommended to rid the heart of? A lot of distraction. Like even a righteous person, if he's very righteous, does a lot of the good, but there's a thousand things on your mind, Okay? You're still righteous and praiseworthy in the sight of Allah, but you are not able to be as strong of a conductor as you would be, for example, if your schedule was like of interacting with people was less, less on your mind, fasting, okay, doing more dhikr. All right. So you could have a very pious person, but their spirituality is very low. And you could ver- you can have a very... Erhan, um, I need you to go, go into the car and give me that green towel. With my glass. No, use the key. And you could have a very um, uh, a person. The key's over there. You could you could have a person who's not that pious, but they're able to conduct a lot of spirituality and a lot of light. The question is: Look, if you're not pious, will it lead you to benefit or will it lead you astray? That's the question. Okay. So now, in order to conduct things. You need metal, you need copper. They do all sorts of stuff. So teach you this stuff in eighth grade, right? But in order to conduct spirituality, what do you need? Athkar, a lot of remembrance. So you need to empty certain things out, shouldn't, shouldn't come in, and certain things should come in, all right? Let's talk about when we talked about that world and not to, to really go into this, and, and I'm, I'm really talking about this in a ilmi way, not in a crazy talk way, all right? Fireside gen stories not what i'm talking about but that world has its own um its own set of laws and when people we're, we're not allowed to go into that world by the way as a ruling we're not allowed but when has it become permitted when the people went in and hacked into the dark arts by uttering certain words doing certain deeds very bad deeds it's as if you opened in your heart a portal to talk to dark jinn. I mean, evil jinn. Okay? Well, how else, why else would the Quran come telling us that Sayyidina Sulaiman had to teach this to the people? Because once you know how it works, you become less scared of it. Okay? Harut and Marut were two angels that were sent down in ancient times to Babel. They were not fallen angels. They were not angels that took the challenge, uh, will give us temptations and put us in the abode of temptations as the Bani Israel said. You know, the Bani Israel, the stuff they say about their prophets. Forget prophets. They went on the angels too. They say Harut and Marut were two angels 
and they kept looking at the human beings and their sins and they're shaking their heads. Okay. And then coming and saying that we could have done, we, we wouldn't have committed these sins. And then according to them, they're, they're, this false story is this, then Allah said, okay, how about I challenge you three days, go down and, and three days. That's all you need to spend is three days with temptation. So he made them very handsome and very wealthy and they descended on the earth. And of course, the first thing that happened was they went to the temple and they worshiped Allah well, and then they got tired and they went and ate. And when they ate, uh, uh, they, they drank. They drank some wine. Now, when they drank some wine, they committed zina. Next day, they drank more wine. They committed zina. Okay. Someone saw them commit zina. They killed the witness. Okay. So this is a lie. The whole thing's a lie. First, it's not even reasonable. No one just goes three days, boom, 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 commit three kibbutz in three days. Right? You can't not. If you're going to fail and you're going to tell a story about angels who failed, make it like reasonable. Like on the second year, he drank for the first time. No, not three days. So the whole story is a lie. But Harut and Marut were sent down as Malaika to the righteous, to the prophet, in the form of human beings to quell the fears of people from sorcerers, from magicians, who, people who got in, into the dark arts. Why, how and why? Because a human being, when he puts his mind to something, usually can do it. That's how simple it is with the human being. Put his mind. So man, guess what? Iblis wants to help them, of course, right? So it, they got into the dark arts. They're dividing people. They're hard, hurting people. How do they do this? By uttering certain words. They got poor, doing certain very bad deeds. They become so evil and dark. When you become so dark, they're attracting dark spirituality. Not all spirituality is good. You go a spiritual person and it's all sihr. And it's all dark arts. And occult stuff. And then they attract these evil jinn. And the jinn wants something. The shaitan wants something. And the human wants something. And they make a deal. Okay. And it's always, always, always involves harming somebody. Always. They never do anything good. It's constantly and nonstop. They're in a state of harming people. Okay. And the greatest of harm is to create a divorce. Or to effect a divorce. You, you, they whisper. They plug away. They... they uh, try to get into people's heads with wiswas. They can even, um, the wiswas can become so much that it becomes essentially a, a, a force, a driving force that a person can't stop. That's what wiswas is. Oh, these towels are amazing for cleaning glasses. Microfiber. How did I just discover this? Okay. Wiswas, one time, two times, that's like a little gin, no problem. You can ignore that. But wiswas can become so incessant, and that's by a legion being sent to you. So in the same way that, like, I have a flashlight, I can see in front of me. But a stadium, what is a stadium other than the same concept repeated, you know, a million watts more, Right. It's the same thing. So one with West, but multiple with like so much with West that you can't sleep. You can't think all you're thinking is an obsession with this person or obsession with something or to do something. So that's how they operate. So Harut and Marut came to teach people this. Sayyidina Sulaiman, alayhi salam, when he saw that the, the oracles, you know, we go to Disney and they have an oracle, right? 
Disney uses these all these old stories with an oracle, a magician, right, a medicine man. All of that was based on ancient times when that stuff actually happened and existed. And then over time, different prophets put, curbed th that stuff even more until now it's just a myth, right? Because they're out of business. These guys are out of business. In the time of the Prophet, Surat al-Jinn tells us that the jinn used to go and go to the heavens and be able to see the future of earth, what's going to happen to people on earth. They come down. They can't just talk to anybody. They only talk to the one who has a portal open. Can you send a text to anybody? No. You got to be signed up with a, cell, with a cell phone company. Okay. Then I can send you a text. Can I WhatsApp you? Only if you're online. Can't WhatsApp you if you're not online. So they go to these people who are, have opened up a portal with them. Okay. And a, an ability to communicate with them. And they'll start telling people, oh, tell the king this is going to happen. So he tells them this is going to happen and it happens. So the king starts trusting the oracle. But remember, the gen, the demons, they don't want anything except destruction of human beings. So now that you trust him, now he'll misguide him next. And that's what the Prophet said. Give you one word of truth and then ten words of falsehood. And then in Surah Jinn, it tells us that uh, this was this closed off now. One of the gifts that we have in the time of the Prophet, وسلم, Allah aided the ummah of the prophet against these oracles and magicians and future fortune tellers and all that. And that's why they're all out of business. They're all poor. Go tell me a fortune teller who's driving around in a Mercedes and living in a suburban house next to dentists and surgeons and stuff, right? When was the last time you, you walked out and said, hey, oh, that neighbor, he's a dentist. Uh, that guy, he's a real estate guy. All right. And, and oh, oh, yeah, he's a fortune teller. No, they never live with suburban, suburban homes, McMansions, driving SUVs, taking their kids to soccer. They don't live like this. They're all unemployed because now that whole world the prophet has in, in, since his time, they don't have access now to really know the future anymore. In the past, they did. Okay. And they use it to misguide people. Okay. So the world of shayatan, now what is the difference between hasid and, 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 and sihr? Okay. The sign of hasid is that usually it comes right away. And it's just like one moment. It's almost, hasid is like throwing a baseball. Right? Like a baseball got thrown in my window. It happens once. Right? Sihr is something that someone's got something against you and they're planning to incessantly berate you with jinn. Hasad comes from within the person. It's something that is developed by the ill will in the heart, comes out of the eyes, and that's it. There's no jinn involved. There's no jinn involved. Sihr jinn is involved. Someone is doing something, contacting, and unfortunately, all throughout our world, Islamic, every, everywhere in the world, there are people who connect to these dark arts. Okay. And so it's not so far-fetched. You pay somebody and they will go and have a shaitan, have a demon, have a bad jinn. doesn't have to be like very evil. could just be a, a um, mischievous jinn who's willing to disobey Allah, commit sins, and bother you in exchange for something that they want. What do they want? Sometimes they just want to be around somebody. Sometimes these shaitan just want, they want to smell something. I remember a person that, uh, told us that there was a, a, a jinn 
that was neither really a demon, but just a, a mischievous djinn, like a, a one of these idiots on the street, right? He'll do anything for a buck. And that's all they wanted was the love of the smell of a certain herb being burnt. And in exchange for that, you go and pinch whoever you want, bother whoever you want, do some silly stuff to whoever you want. That uh, in that world is silly. Like in you know, these horror movies, the bulb shuts out, the bulb uh, bursts, or you know, light flickers. That's like that's child stuff in the world in that world. But that's how it works. And Harut and Maruch came down to dispel the mystique of it. And the sign of Sihr is that you, someone is paying somebody to have some kind of jinn, or more than one, go and bother you. Okay? Go and bother this person. In our world, what would that be look like? Probably mafia work. Pay some... Um, I don't know the names. What do they call the in the in the mafia hierarchy? There's like wise guys and all that. You pay some thug to go up, smash up your store for three hundred bucks a month, right? Or else we burn your store down. Give it five hundred bucks a month, we're burning your store down. Like that. That's basically what it's like, right? Now, this is why this part of it I believe is important to dispel the mystique. Now, let's now we're going to talk about how it's cured. How do, you, how do you handle this? I shouldn't say the word cured. It's not a disease. You're a victim okay, of abuse. Has said we know that we know how to treat that. What about sihr? Heavy-duty sihr is cured by Muslims who, because of darura, the darura of harm that is happening here, had to, no choice, but learn that world. And they did learn that world in a permissible way in Islam. And they essentially use, utilize the righteous and pious Muslim jinn to fight the battles against that other jinn. Okay. That's how it works. All right. That's how they do it. So when you have a serious situation like that, essentially they ask you some information about yourself you don't see them for two weeks, and then all of a sudden the sihr is gone. All right, what happened? Um, they, they, those are their techniques. There are unlawful techniques, too, to deal with evil jinn, which is dealing like sihr with sihr. Like how? Isn't it, it does, isn't there, aren't there unlawful cures for diseases? You can drink certain alcohol, amount of alcohol, and pain goes away. You can smoke you can take different drugs and your pain goes away, right? You can probably treat certain diseases or illnesses unlawfully. You can heal, you can solve your poverty problem unlawfully. If, the, if a thug is after you, you can fix that problem unlawfully. So everything can be done lawfully or unlawfully. And we as Muslims, we're only going to go the route of treating it lawfully, Okay. So when you, the people who do that, who treat it lawfully, they should not have any of the signs of oddness upon them. Like, what are the signs of oddness? Reclusive. No, no. Um, recite this hocus pocus. Wear some kind of shapes and odd languages. You are just treating magic with other magic and superstition. No, we don't do that. Okay. What we do 
is these are ulama, usually imams. And I know one, he works as an imam in a mosque. He's living a completely normal life, but he's, it's a handed down knowledge that he learned from his dad, from his uncle, et cetera, et cetera. Because again, in certain, every Islamic country has this. We had to find, the ulama had to find a way, and they did find a way to communicate with the righteous Muslim jinn for the sake of removing a heart, evil jinn, and that's it. Not for the sake of getting an advantage in life, okay, or using it to make someone fall in love with you or any other, that's all forbidden, or even, and what is the, what about charging? Can they charge? They can charge, but oftentimes they don't because of the fear that they'll be um, labeled as something because the, Ones who do it incorrectly, they always charge. So they want to be labeled. And also because it's not a knowledge that, unlike actual medicine, we c it's empirical in front of us. This is not exactly empirical. Most of the time, they will not even tell you what they do or how they do it. But in general, I do have come to learn that that's how they do it. They do it by, they have some afghar that they recite and they speak to a Muslim jinn and have them go and remove an evil jinn. Okay? That's a generality and that's all I, I, I know about that. But a lot of them don't charge because they don't want to be deemed. But in a sense, it is a service. And if they were to charge you, that is not, it's not even unlawful. Okay? Because it's doing you a service. So, but they oftentimes don't because they don't want to be labeled with those, you know, other types. All right. What else is there? A lot of charlatans in that world. A lot of charlatans. And the charlatans, how do they operate? This is very common in this world. They, the way they operate is that they found a way to get in contact with just a innocently rambunctious Muslim jinn. Usually a Muslim jinn, or even if it's not a Muslim jinn, but not a demon. Why? Because these people, they oftentimes are in the Islamic community, go to Masajid, recite the Quran, etc. And, and they're... So they, 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 don't, they don't attract demons, they just attract a type of rambunctious person, right? Uh, jinn. And what do they do? They then send that jinn to go bother so-and-so. Knowing that so-and-so is going to come to them for help, right? A community member. Go start bothering them. Then drop a hint here and there that I know how to take care of this stuff. And then they get paid. The person consults them. Oh, okay, well, send me Western Union, 500 bucks. I'll take care of it for you. And then they just tell their Muslim jinn to lay off. Lay off the person for a while. And then the person comes, oh, it worked. Yeah. Why do we say it's a charlatan? Did we, because that's his earning now. Unlawful earning. Like making people sick and then curing them at the same time. Well, isn't that Monsanto's accused of that all the time? Right? You can see parallels from that crazy world, we, what we consider crazy, to our own world, which the jinn consider crazy. Right? So all of this is to dispel some of the mystique about it, but also to be very serious about our limits and our boundaries. And why is it that I sort of limit myself to this amount of knowledge? Why? Because let's say someone was, uh, wanted to get, be righteous, say, I don't know, clean up the streets, right? Goes out there and a little guy peddling some weed, I'm going to stop him and I'm going to beat him up. All right, good for you. People aren't in isolation. You just beat someone up. Well, that person works for somebody, right? It's connected to somebody, a bigger gangster, okay? You, you don't, don't mess around with something that you don't know, okay? 
and you may be in a situation where you think, ah, I'm going to go take on these Shaltine and all that stuff. Do you, you may end up messing with, you know, the son of a Russian mob boss. Do you want to mess, you really want to mess around with the Russian mafia? Now, the Italian mafia may have weakened, right? So you might be able to take them on and survive. Because I think they're pretty weak now. Russian mafia has taken over. Ah, you see, you see a V in your last name. I'm, I'm running the other way. Listen, I'm not playing games, okay? You, you commit all of the crimes that you're going to commit. Uh, let the cops deal with you. They can't even deal with you. The Russian mob is, you do not want to mess around, okay? Likewise, there are Shayateen and legions of demons we cannot handle. And if you could handle it, it would take your whole day and your whole life and don't mess around, okay? This is what I was taught very early on from... Sheikh Abdurrahman will Sidi Muhammad in Mecca. I was chit-chatting with him, and he told me that they have Raqis in their family. In their family, they're all Raqis. But they stopped. The head, which was his uncle, put an end to the whole family doing it. Don't need, don't, not, nobody. Why? Just like today. Are we going to go and take on the, the, the Russian mafia? No. You're going to go and stop drugs in, the, in Camden? No, because you don't know... The level of gangster you're dealing with. So he stopped. Why? He said that sheikh, his uncle, was one of the best Raqis in Mauritania. Until the day came that he messed with a certain type of uh, shaitan that could not affect him because he would recite over his family, right? He would recite Surah Al-Baqarah first thing every morning. Can you imagine? How, how could you live, Right? If I had to sit and do a three-hour, two-hour recitation of Surah Al-Baqarah every morning. Now, for him, it ended, and I think that sort of it's 20 um, minutes of juz, let's say, 15 minutes of juz, 30 minutes. Let's say it takes 45 minutes, but not all, you know, it's every single day of your life, every single morning. As soon as you see the sunlight, you recite Surah Al-Baqarah. But his family grew, and he ended up with a grandson far away. And that shaitan attacked his grandson and, and made him permanently paralyzed. So, oh, by the way, you know what you could do is you can add the new logo too. So, yeah. So, uh, he told, he put on his family a complete ban of anybody ever dealing with this dark world again. And that's my advice to everybody else here. Have knowledge of what's going on. Let the Raqis do it. They live a certain way that allows them to have the time and the energy. And I was told it's exhausting. They have to do so much dhikr. Okay. That's for their world. We're not in that world. But have a concept of how things are happening. Okay. And why they're happening. In the spirit of Harut and Marut, they came down to inform us all or to inform their generation with what's happening. How is it happening? Okay, so that you, um, and alhamdulillah, we, we are uh, here in the area, we have someone who knows someone that we trust and we know and works as an imam in a masjid. There's no funny business and he doesn't even charge people money. That's one of the signs and it works for people. Okay, that's all we could tell you, right? So that's a little bit of a uh, an opening here on that subject, okay? Uh, let me see if there are any questions before we move on to the next subject. Hmm. 
Very nice. Okay, let's see what kind of... I'm going to only take a few questions so we can close this topic and move on to the next subject, which is progressives going on the attack against some EMMs. Really, really one or two progressives. All right, what about dreams? Dreams is... Um, there are three sources. One, it's almost like you have three... It's, there's three types of dreams and three sources. The first source most common to all people is just your thoughts okay it's just your thoughts if you want something really badly and then you see yourself doing that thing chances are not all the time but chances are that is a nothing other than uh, your own thoughts a lot of people when they are they become deprived of something they always do or something they always ate okay or something they really want they will see themselves doing it in a dream it just reflects that you want it so badly. And the flip side, anxiety. You're anxious about something. You may see yourself, you know, um, uh, how many people that are out there have, have had a really serious appointment, like an exam or something, and then had a dream that you missed it, right? And I haven't all the time to people. It's very common. So the first source of dreams is it's just a reflection of what's on your mind. That's the only value that it has. Other than that, it has no value. It is neither, not a message from Allah, nor is it a, a, a nightmare from shaitan. The Prophet ﷺ tells us in, Sahih, in, in, in Bukhari's Adab al-Mufrad, a narration stating that when you sleep, your ruh leaves your body, but it's connected with a small string. Okay? It's like a tether. A, t- a tether. Okay? And your door can go in different places. It may go somewhere and receive from an angel of dreams a message. Encoded message. Okay. Why would the angels encode the message? Okay. Is to separate it from the other two sources, which is a satanic nightmare and a, a dream of your own thoughts. The divine wants his message to be known. Allah wants his message to you to be known. So I'm going to give you a flash drive and it has a password on it. You got to know the password to open up the file. That's what dream interpretation is. Okay. Or it's in form of a coded language that only you can understand. Right. Or, or only an in, in interpretation. All right. That you can understand. Okay. So this is really important to know. And this language of dreams is not difficult. It's really not difficult. All right. But you just need someone to teach you. Within three, four months, if a, if you have a clean heart, you can understand the basics and you could definitely be able to tell the difference between a true and true dream and a not true dream. L- lastly, there is and, and, and that message is given to you in the form of a visual or an experience. Right, that sort of, if we can use common language today, downloads in your mind or downloads in your heart as a vision. Okay. The third type is that 
if your ruh travels and we don't know how or where when we sleep this happens but this is what happens we see the effect of it right does anyone know where the wi-fi waves are that are giving me wi-fi that i'm able to talk to you all on this phone no but we know the effect of it we see the effect of it and so you may come in contact while sleeping with the demon a shaitan a evil jinn and they what do they want to do for you they want to scare you okay they want to scare you and the very highly sophisticated ones don't scare you okay they lure you and misguide you right so it's almost like this it's almost like when you see a thug a mafia thug you get scared because all this idiot knows how to do is punch and, and kick and shoot and break stuff right but if you end up going and sitting on a table with the mob boss and you find this mob boss, he's not someone who's going to kick and punch and, and beat you up and shoot you. He's someone who's going to try to make a deal with you. But you got to know that deal is all in his favor, not in your favor. You're not from the family. We didn't care about you. So you may benefit in the short run, but as soon as... Okay, he does done with you, you're finished. Okay. Likewise, the Shaltin, they have their small ones that they're just the thugs. They scare you. The big ones, they have complicated methods of misguiding people, and the only solution to those is ilm. Ilm of Sharia of Aqidah. All right. So that's the concept here, and that's the idea uh, behind this question that the sisters had to link of all this with dreams. What about seemingly random objects with random alf- Arabic alpha geometric form former mother-in-law gave to me to hang on the house? Freaked me out. Yeah, there's some ulama who say ilm al-huruf is a thing. but And they say it's like a, it's no different than like physical vitamins and herbs and drinking... Um, medicines and herbs and stuff but the Maticus say no okay Christian priests can they perform exorcism successfully of course they can if I have a thief in my house can a Christian cop remove him yeah that doesn't mean his Christianity is right Right? The Shayateen do not like the mention of God, Jesus, at all. God, or comma, Jesus, comma, Mary. The name itself, the name itself drives them crazy. Right? Allah himself praises all of these houses of worship. He doesn't praise them, I shouldn't say. He says he does mention the one good thing that they do. Yudhkaru fi hasmullah. The name of Allah is mentioned. Okay? So the word Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the word Muhammad, the word Jesus, this, remember I said earlier on, in this world, what you utter is extremely important. What you utter with your mouth is extremely important. And they cannot stand the utterance of Moses, Jesus, God. So yes, their aqidah is messed up, but they are uttering those words that are painful to these shayateen. Okay. A Christian person 
can a Christian cop can remove a criminal from your house. Okay, a Christian person can protect you from a gang. A Christian person can cure you of cancer. Right? Jinn possession, um, exorcism, the jinn is not worse than any of these things, right? It's 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 an attack that leads to a sickness. Okay. And they can exercise that. And we can take information from them about the nature of these shayateen in the same way that we can hear from a Christian cop the nature of a bad gang that's out there or a Christian doctor the nature of cancer or of a disease or of anything else, right? You can take that knowledge. But when but their understanding of the unseen is all wrong. Like they're, they're what they attribute it. So it was like a, a, a criminal's coming to attack you, right? The cop can stop the criminal and he could tell you about the gang, but he still may have misinformation about it. And their misinformation, what they misunderstand is they consider demons to be fallen angels. So likewise, oh, this gang member, yeah, this gang, they, they came into the town and they're doing all this stuff and we got to stop them. Fine, he could say, and then, but he may, doesn't mean he got their history right. He may have gotten their history all wrong. Doesn't make a difference. He could still stop them. So they're all wrong in their not in their what they're transmitting from the Bible that every demon was an angel. That's wrong completely. Uh, secondly, of course, they're going to use the crucifix and they're going to use their religious language and we're going to use ours. Okay. Christian surgeon opens you up and starts saying Christian prayers to get God's help to remove, you know, to do his surgery on you. The surgery is successful because of the knowledge he has that is accurate knowledge. And we, a Muslim, can learn that accurate knowledge. And then, obviously, the Muslim surgeon is not going to use, uh, you know, those, uh, those prayers. That's the obvious one, right? So we are able to take... Um, certain knowledge from people who are not Muslim. Okay. A Muslim said there is no evil. No, that's false. Completely false. Did not Allah say in the Quran, min sharri ma khalaq. He, Allah has created a shar and Allah has created a shaitan and that is everything that is far from the mercy of Allah and opposite of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is a convert, says Tahira, who was into strong voodoo. Yeah, maybe, hopefully, that um, he can use that knowledge to now dispel that world. It's a dark arts, it's a dark knowledge, and we're not allowed to seek it, by the way, for no any other reason except if you plan to cure people on it, okay, from it. Okay. Evil is the absence of Allah's goodness. Not just that, no. Um... Not just that, there is pure darkness, exact negative, pure negativity, pure harm. Evil is not just the absence of goodness. Evil is characterized by the absence of goodness, but it is not a void. Evil is not a void. Shaitan is not a void, right? It, he, there is evil. It's not just that he's void of goodness. Void of goodness would be empty, right? He is against goodness. He has set up an entire world okay, to fight the world of angels and the world of prophets. Okay. 
So if they meant that, yeah, there's sometimes you can say that, that, uh, and what, uh, that tribulation is characterized by lack of mercy, but it's not defined as a lack of mercy. Because the Prophet said, Malaika are commanded to pour bala on people. Bala, and when it falls upon you, you bad things happen such as accidents or something and we can put an umbrella up that's the umbrella of dhikr and ibadah and good deeds you can do even more good deeds and you have a full roof over your head so bala can fall a lot what is the difference between bala falls on somebody who is out in the it's it's raining a storm out there one is in the streets one has an umbrella the other is in a house what's the difference all of us are feeling it and hearing it and knowing it exists. We're all the same in that. We're all inconvenienced a little bit. It may be really loud, okay? But the one in the house, he's like, all right, I can't go outside. Maybe my electricity gets cut off, but he's not getting wet. He's not getting flooded. He's not getting sick. That's the way of the awliya and the prophets. They have a lot of bala, but they also have a great protection, amazing protection. So they feel it. They know it's a storm. They're not as affected. Person, while well, with the umbrella, has protection in the beginning, but eventually he's going to get soaked. Okay? But it's just not falling hard on his head. And if acorns and leaves fall, he's protected from that. The one who's with nothing at all, okay, he's just getting the whole brunt of it. And that person with nothing at all, if it was a minor rainstorm, he's still getting more wet than a, a, a actual, like, Hurricane, if you had a house, right, where you won't get wet at all. So likewise, the prophets and the awliya and the salihin, the more ibadah and dhikr and good deeds they do, the more protection they have. Because they have that protection, they can withstand more bala. Okay. I, I get how people define evil as the absence of mercy. That is one perspective, but it's not 100% correct. I think I may have said that in the past too. What's that? Yep. It's it's yeah, it's characterized that by that for sure. So like that's the definition because that's how we know it. Yeah. Hundred percent. It's like a blind person. Like we say, he has no sight, but yeah. there's not really a link between sight and like him not having sight. It's yeah. just like a definition. It's a definition, exactly. Um, uh, tell me what's coming out of. Uh, we don't have Instagram right now. Uh, okay, no problem. Uh, the Android thing. I'll try to get that first. But we do have a question. Uh, one of the brothers, uh, he's asking, I grew up with a speech impediment as a result of social anxiety, no confidence. I can't build ties with extended family slash friend, etc. because I can't speak. I have no aspirations. What do I do? Have you... Um, so this is not related to Sihr yet? No. But, uh, okay. We'll get to that question because it's a very good question. Lack of him, a lack of everything. All right. We're going to talk about that. A uh, couple more questions on. We're not even in Q and A, but just happens to be. I want to close this real quick before we get to the next subject. Um, 
pain is a real thing. It's not just the absence of preservation. It is characterized by the absence of preservation, for sure. Allah preserving us and pres- having rahma with us, yes, but it is also a thing. All right, the wird. I cannot emphasize enough the recitation of Ratib al-Haddad or any wird written by one of the trusted awliya of our ummah. What are the awliya? Al-ulama, al-amilun. The, the scholars who acted upon their knowledge by the testimony of the people and the other scholars and their family until they died. Okay? And they died upon that. We call those nahsibuhum min al-awliya. The potential for like wilaya for someone, like you know how they say the, the iman of the old woman? Like she doesn't really know anything in terms yeah. of knowledge, but her connection with Allah is like stronger than anyone. Okay. So is there wilaya like... Yes. That? You can be a... Non-scholar who's a wali. However, that person is not to be followed. That's the difference. In law, in aqidah, in decision-making. So that's the difference. And so the Qur'an mentions, in Surah An-Naba, mentions walled gardens and wild flowers. Wild flowers, you look at them all you want. You don't eat from them. The walled garden, it's all safe. Okay? It's all safe. You can eat from them. You can eat anything from them. So, Ratib al-Haddad will cut through much, 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 so much. Any wird, wird al-Imam al-Nawawi, for example. These awrad will cut through so much of the, the, the bad things that could happen to a person. Puts a wall between us. And it actually kills the light that comes from those awrad will kill so many, so much evil. Okay. Um, when a sheikh authors a wird or authors a du'a, there still remains to be some kind of a, it's as if there's a connection between them. You establishing like a connection between you and that person. Right. And we benefit from that. If And so one put it very simply, he says, Allah loves them. He loves their work. And he loves those who recite their work. So if you were to say, I'm going to take the word myself, I'm going to make my own word. I looked at the word in Nawawi. I looked at Ratib al-Haddad, which you can get at sfinasari.org slash word, lowercase w, I-R-D. I'll make my own. Well, what's the problem here is that you're not benefiting anymore from the actual element of Allah's mahabba. Allah loves abd. He loves their work. He loves to see their work being benefited from. He loves to, and he rewards everyone who takes part in it. So why would you deprive yourself from that? And why would you then go and try to do it yourself? Right? May, you know, pump up your ego. Well, then what about those? Why did they author the Aurat? Well, they went through life. They were graduated by shiuch. They moved on. And they, when you become an old man and you live that world and you give your due respect to the elders and the shiuch, then maybe one day you can do the same thing for yourself. Right? Same thing with fatawa. Didn't we talk about fatawa last week? Like legal fatawa. Some youth coming and writing a fatwa. It's meaningless. Throw it in the garbage. Just like a young person come and say, I got a new medicine. Hold on. Was this tested? Was it tried? Did you, you know, have a career with... 
you know, uh, in, in the industry that we all know you and they all know you? No. So same thing with these things. Okay. Do you need permission from shiuch for these words? No. No. And if you do, then here, you get it from me right here. But you don't know. If, if you, when you get it from a person through an unbroken chain, it's always better. It's always um, nicer to have that complete chain. And, and that is something that many, many, many people have, that complete unbroken chain regarding Ratib al-Haddad and these major awrad, and so in with respect to uh, having that, then if we want that barakah, then um, you, you know, I tra- transmit it to you, okay, to the degree that that chain of transmission has barakah, and that was taken um, directly from the Habayb many different times when you recite the Ratib with them, and then they give you they, and the permission, and really what they want is they want it to spread to the people. Can I keep the things of my dead loved ones? Yes, you can. For example, my father's um, anything, really. Yes, there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean necessarily that we're going to be using it for powers and stuff like that because we could start now. It may be something you keep for barakah or just for sentimental value. That's Sentimental value is 100% fine. I, I like to have it there. It's sentimental to me. That's it. That's You're 100% safe. Okay, nothing wrong with that. I have a speech impediment, says one brother, and this has resulted in me losing confidence, social anxiety, and uh, really in a bad state, I would highly recommend you look up coaches, speech coaches. They deal with everything. They deal with the psychological aspect, the social aspect, the lisp, whatever the stutter is. Get a coach. Stick with that coach. Don't try to fix the situation yourself. Get a coach. Evil exists and has a great wisdom. Not just, a, yes, Zog is saying here, can we say evil exists, but it has a wisdom. Always, always, always has a wisdom. Okay. There will be benefits at the end of this for the one who understands it properly and, who, and for the one who handles it by saying to themselves, I know for sure there's a benefit from this. Right? And then... That, just because you say that doesn't mean the evil is just going to go away. Doesn't mean you're not going to be hurt by it. Doesn't mean you're not going to struggle. Okay, but in the end, there will be a, a benefit for you. Talib Razi says that Sheikh Abdul Hakim Murad put it perfectly. He said the fact that there is evil, or that there that there is evil, the presence of evil, the existence of evil is good it has a good purpose to it but evil itself is not good okay can we define evil then yes can you let's invite him for sure can you define evil then evil is that which is free it is far from the mercy of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
And in the end of the day, there's an, that's actually some people, and, and other de- different definitions. There's that. There is, one is defined as harm is defined relatively. Anything that we human beings would call harm. Okay. But ultimately, the ultimate definition of evil that is, that ulama say, is that it is disobedience of Allah without repentance. Everything else can be, there can be discussion about it. But the only thing that is the source of this pure evil is going far from Allah, disobedience of Allah, without tawbah. So even someone who disobeys Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's not fully known yet what his result will be. He may make tawbah. Okay. What is the sustenance of jinn? Yeah, some people say they actually eat the bones and Allah knows best. All right. It's what time is it now? 2.21. Now, um, we're going to have to close this subject and we're going to talk about some of the progressive imams, what happened, um, and why they, some of them, not all of them, but progressive Muslims are now going on the attack now as they see election times coming around. And um, they're now really, really, uh, the progressives are reeling because they did have some, what they imagined to be um, a nod from imams to continue being progressive. And now that they see some imams are realizing that we're, we're not about Qawm Lutz and they're openly saying it, okay, they're openly saying it, that um, they're now writing articles and essentially, I would say, mischaracterizing a lot of them and then bashing them. So let's read this article. Where am I reading this? Realclearreligion.org. Okay. Realclearreligion.org. Okay. And they're saying now that the imams, they're only mentioning two here, that have done an about face. Okay. And are really attacking Omar Shalimah here. Uh, have done an about face, turning their backs on liberal activism, okay, and taking a political stance. Well, in Islam, what is a political stance, first of all? Uh, and what is a religious stance? Any stance that is merely citing the deen and saying, this is Allah has said this in the book, we are not allowed to do this, we have to do that. We're not, we cannot believe this. This is a, a, a incomprehensible or a uh, inconsistent belief. This is an obligatory belief. That's what we call a religious statement. That is a religious statement. That is not a political statement. A political statement would be, go out there and vote for person X. Go out there and support person Y. That's a political statement. Okay. 
when you specify a, a certain political person or tool, okay, vote for this bill, that bill. That's a political statement, no doubt about that. Religious statements is Allah says this. That's it. Now, what if someone says, oh, yes, but the timing, the context uh, doesn't change the fact that it's a religious statement. Okay. So this one is uh, saying when celebrity Texas based Islamic faith leader Sheikh Omar Suleiman posted a 30 minute Maya Culpa video in June recanting all his progressive activism re- relating to the LGBT community, he left liberal allies and progressive Muslims floundering in dismay. First of all, I felt it was more like a clarification that I what I I did this intending that and it may have come off as something else. So I'm clarifying. So it's not like there you can find anything where he's openly allying himself with Ligbiti Q. Now there was that pulse shooting statement and they just gave it to him and he read it, right? But he even said that in the video. He said, like, I didn't write this. I got it, read it on the moment, and it, it came across that I'm, like, with them or something, but it's not. So, in any event, he says that they released this during Pride Month, and it's racked over half a million views. And it raises questions about the role of spiritual leaders in political activism. Okay. They're flipping out when your activism or your religious preaching contradicts leftist politics, progressivist liberal politics. They love you, of course, if your conclusions match their politics. This was an extraordinary vault face from the poster imam who revered, who was revered as a fearless civil rights champion who vowed and had wowed crowds out of Bernie Sanders rally in 2020. He'd been invited to offer prayers at the Congressional House of Representatives the year before uh, and prior to that was courted by then-Senate hopeful Beto O'Rourke. Suleiman quickly became the nation's favorite imam as a repeat guest on Good Morning America. Yeah, as long as anyone beats little or seems nice to you guys, you like him. As soon as he says something that's from the dean that you don't like, now all of a sudden he's going to be getting an article written about him. The Louisiana, oh, by the way, who's the author of this? A Muslim, Rifat Malik. Rifat. The Louisiana-born native burst into Dallas-Fort Worth Moss in 2012. With his powerful oratorical skills and intellectual prowess, he soon became a ubiquitous and sought-after speaker, managing to attract Muslims, traditionalists and modernists, as a prominent leader of the faith. He took on pressing mainstream issues such as police brutality, refugee rights, and fighting racism. Suleiman was feted by some Muslim liberals, by some liberals and Democrats, thanks to his inclusive message, including his outreach to the gay community. In 2016, when Omar Mateen massacred 49 people at the Pulse Bar, Suleiman organized a statement of condemnation signed by Muslim scholars and community leaders. And he went further. He attended a press conference in his home state and later a village outside the Resource Center, a Dallas-based gay social service facility where he addressed more than a thousand people okay many activists still recall his searing words about human rights and dignity we are determined to cry together to pray together stand together straight gay Floridian and Texan okay so that one was a little bit right he read from a prepared statement in an off-the-cuff remark he also added there 
This right here is America. Take a look around you. This is the future of America, and no bigger terrorist is going to stop that. Um, saying something about terrorists and bigots is fine if you define a bigot as someone who you know physically harms someone unlawfully because of a trait that they have. Days later, Suleiman extolled the virtues of compassion, orthodoxy, and humanitarian Islam in an interview with the Dallas Morning News. I did go and stand in solidarity with the LGBT community, he said. Because the idea of homophobia, which is a real problem in the country, is that people should be targeted as less than human because they choose to live their lives in a particular way, and that's what's problematic. All right, probably that's going to get you uh, people who are you know, looking for that. They're going to use that, obviously. Okay. He say continues, gay Muslims exist and they are part of our community. It depends on the mosque you're going to, whether the mosques are going to accept them or not. A lot of that has to do with how of American those mosques are, how acclimated they are. Okay. So in light of these Suleiman's changing views, how should Muslims respond when a spiritual leader has a one eighty degree reverse epiphany? Is it theological regression or is he seeing the light? Can they be considered trusted and credible sources of religious guidance? Now penitent Suleiman blames his exuberance on the prevailing anti Muslim climate, partly stoked by Trump as well as his youth, okay? The man who inspired thousands of Muslims in Texas. I mean, I can't lie that those statements, those quotes do sort of send a message that people um, may take the wrong way or liberals may consider a green light. Uh, the man who inspired thousands uh, to protest at an airport against the Muslim ban and the inhumane condition migrants face at the border now argues uncomfortable situations arose while marching with gay clergy and activists. Things get really tricky with vigils and these type of practices that have their origin, different thoughts and practices in these places. I should have done a better job when it was brought to my attention. Allah knows I sincerely repent and ask forgiveness for that. Well, that's good because those statements, any statement that gives sort of a lukewarm or a green light to something that is not Islamic, but people may understand it that way, that is a problem too. It's not just the technical word of the law or the of the utterance that you make. Technically, what does it mean? No, it's also what do people get from that? How do people perceive that? Do you know that the imam is not allowed to attend the funeral of a public, uh, unrepented, shameless public center? Why? Because he gives a message that that's okay. You know, we support him. We still pray for him. We love him. No, he's public and shameless. It's not like he's a sinner on the side, right, in hiding. No. So uh, we, it's, it's, for, it's forbidden for a Muslim to imam who's looked up to to fraternize with an innovator for some sect or other it's forbidden for us to even fraternize with an innovator right so um that's forbidden for us to do why because the message it sends so those statements if they give a seeming green light then yeah that's it is a problem so he did he said he um should have done a better job and asked forgiveness for that. So that's good. He insisted he was handed a speech he hadn't read in Orlando and the Muslims panicked response was reactive. I wish, first of all, as a Muslim community, we didn't accept the premise of that so quickly. I think that's the spirit in which a lot of posts and, and the Orlando statements and so many things came out. I also wish personally I would have handled that differently. Okay, good. I agree. 
To the question of whether Muslims can form alliances with Ligbit who support our right as Muslims, Suleiman now would now answer, of course not. Okay, it's important. For, see, this is the thing. If you're drowning and Iblis lends you a hand, or if you're drowning and a very crafty person politically who is going to ask you favors you cannot live up to, then you, what you cannot do reaches out. Take it at your own risk. We can't. You're going to ask us to support something we can't support. So I don't want favors from you in the first place because I cannot repay what you want. I can't pay, repay you the price that you want. You want a price from me, I can't pay you back. Can't go against my Lord. Can't go against my religion. You're asking something that I can't fulfill for you. So I apologize. Uh, and I can't, I, I can't take favors from you. Okay. And that's the problem. Iblis never comes at you. Whenever Iblis comes right at you, look at where your first instinct is to run because that's probably where he wants you to be. He's too smart to just come at you like a thug. Think about this again very closely. When Iblis comes at you with fear, your first instinct of where to go, let's say politically, or the forget your first instinct, the common man's instinct of where to go, okay, is probably where he wants you to be in the first place. So when he sends, okay, a wolf, a, a, a dog at you, naturally, where are you going to run? Exact opposite direction of the dog. It's probably where Iblis wants you to go, okay? Politically speaking. So send, brought George Bush and the war on terror. Well, where did the war on terror send all the Muslims Okay, it sent them to the left. That's where he wanted you in the first place. Okay, you know how much knowledge Iblis has. You know his game plan of his. How 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 strategic. If you played chess, you didn't train, you didn't think, you didn't study. You just played chess for a hundred years. Okay, let's say you lived a long life. You play for a hundred years. How good will you be at the hundredth year? Like you've seen everything. You play chess. All day, every day for a hundred years. Iblis has been at it at the destruction of the human being for thousands of years. Thousands. His chest moves. Don't try to use your brain against him. Just follow the book. Just follow the Quran. Okay? Don't try to do anything against him. You try to outsmart him. Use the Quran. So when a dog comes at you, you go up. Go follow the way of the deen. That's it. All right. He now says it's important for us collectively as a community to actively oppose the LGBT agenda, which must be rejected religiously, socially, and politically. Critics say this is a kick to the teeth to LGBT activism, all right, uh, advocacy groups who publicly rejected Trump's concern trolling over the Muslim ban. And it's just just and justification for targeting Muslim majority countries that discriminate against people's sexual orientation. You know what might happen? Now these LGBT advocacy groups may no longer su support Muslims against Trump's ban. And I say, good. Don't support us. Don't have anything to do with us. Don't benefit us. Don't harm us. You do your thing over there, which I disapprove of, but I can't do anything about. And let me go live my life over here. Okay. And... I do have a position. I'm not neutral to this. The, the Muslim position is not neutral towards your agenda. We are actively against your agenda. Okay? 
is not live and let live. It isn't. You can't be live and let live. Right? You may be legally, physically, like my neighbor may be a Hindu. He has gods, right? Live and let live for, for physically. But it's not what I teach my kids. I say, la ilaha illallah, la sharika la. We're going to teach them that this is wrong and bad. But I physically cannot go and break down your gods. I don't have the authority. Okay? If I had the authority, I would. Like, if you brought a god into my house, I have authority over my house, right? I have the authority to take it through in the garbage, right? Wouldn't I? I mean, if, if, if I come home and say, oh, uh, the neighbor came, the Hindu neighbor came, and what, oh, really, what'd they bring? They brought us edible arrangements in the kitchen, and they brought us a god. Okay, they don't know any better. Maybe they're just being nice. Fine. Give me the edible arrangements. Now we'll take the god. It's like, kids, we're not allowed to have a, a Buddha, an elephant, the lady with the hands. We're not allowed to have that. Yes, Mr. Uh, our neighbor so-and-so, he's a nice man. He doesn't know any better in terms of give, gifting us with this. But we're not mushrikeen. We're not pagans. This is the worst thing you could do is have an idol besides Allah. Okay? So we're going to throw in the garbage. Boom. Okay? W what we're not going to do. We're not going to go. We, it doesn't have to go to the fact that we're going to go... And start hating on the guy who was trying to be nice, right? So w being against something does not necessitate going to have a, a civil war in the cul-de-sac, right? Hey, Vishnu, take this. Boom. It doesn't have to go to that ex extreme, okay? Okay. Hey, Bhakti, go tell your dad, no idols in this house. And now all of a sudden, we just created an awkwardness in the cul-de-sac Right? And all sorts of war in the cul-de-sac when, you know, it can be done a different way. And we're still against it, right? So, uh, that's an example. Okay? Likewise, somebody comes, two women move in. Hey, we bought you a, 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 a fruit basket. Okay, wrapped in a rainbow flag. And say, kids, listen. We're going to have to eventually explain to Mrs. and Mrs. Smith that... We don't do this, all right? Okay? But we're going to take this and we're going to put it in the trash. How hard is that, right? And is that wrong in any law? So, yes, if I had the authority, which I do in my house, I have the authority in my house, I would think I'd take that away too. Then I want to take everything away, these people. Okay? You can take authority away from my house. Put it away. If you bring it to my company and you bring it right here, I have authority in the building. I throw it away. Okay. In May, Suleiman signed a well-publicized position. Now, I'm going to say this too before I keep reading. If you truly respect me, respect my limits. If you truly respect me and I want to fight for your right to be Muslim in America, wait a second, are you genuinely doing this or do you want something back? Right? Are you genuinely, listen to this. If, if a man has two daughters, on a regular day of the week, all of a sudden those two daughters come, prepare him a snack, start giving him a back massage, saying how good of a dad he is, telling them how much Quran they memorized. It's Tuesday at 6 o'clock. What's going on? What do you want, right? Right? Anyone who has any experience 
This is not normal. What What do you guys want? Is there an, there's an ask coming here, right? And there's a question and ask. Same way, all of a sudden, what do you guys have to do with us? If be fighting for our right to live here, and do you want something back? Like, right? Because you know that we don't live like you guys. We don't approve of this. Muslims would have stood up, if Muslims existed at the time of Elvis, that would have been corruption for us, right? I mean, good old Elvis, who's considered like the, the old days, the good old days, right? Where Shar was limited to that. No, that would have been, that was a calamity for the Muslims at that time. If a Muslim lived at that time and women are throwing their clothes at him and he's gyrant, dancing and gyrating and moving his hips around and getting all the girls to go crazy and having these concerts, that itself would have been shut for us. And it's not, you cannot, as Christians, you cannot know, or, or, or Americans, no matter any American, you cannot know that Islam was not against this stuff, right? So what do you want from helping us? And they here are talking about Muslims being politically naive. What about you people? Do you think they're just genuinely from the goodness of their heart? I want to put a rainbow flag on and with the goodness of my heart, go fight for the Muslims to live here and be against Trump. Are you naive? They want something back, of course, right? So if that's the case and you love me so much that you want to protect my rights, can you, do you respect my limits? Okay. I may be against Hinduism. I may be against all these other religions, but I know my limits as a citizen and I know that there's nothing I'm doing about it except in my own home. Okay, And in the public sphere, I can write books, I can write whatever, say my opinion. But at the simultaneously, you have a right as a neighbor in the cul-de-sac to, to live peacefully without me bothering you. It is your right, okay, by secular law and even Islamic law. It's your right. You do that in your own home. Yes, you may have a symbol for that. You're a Christian, Hindu, Jew, whatever religion you are, okay, that's your right to go live. I don't have a right now to start blocking your driveway and harming you and abusing you and all that stuff. All right. So I'm respecting that, and you're going you to need you to respect me. So in May, Suleiman signed a well-publicized position statement with 200 other imams, okay, entitled Navigating Differences, Clarifying Sexual Gender Ethics in Islam. It broadly aligns with the traditional view of the Old Testament that sees homosexuality, sexual relationships as immoral, not immoral, Haram. Immoral is something like we determine, right? No, haram. Allah forbade it. While acknowledging that the LGBTQ community constitutional right to live in peace and free from abuse. That's what I'm saying. Like in the cul-de-sac, in the street, in the workplace, the guy has a right to walk down the hall without me like, what am I going to body check him? Because he's Hindu or gay, right? What? <laughs> that's what, <laughs> am I going to rail him against the wall, trip him up? Now, like, that's what I understood from that, right? Which is why I signed it. He has the right to go, but not a constitutional right, by Sharia too. I can't go behaving like that. A fellow signatory, Asr Qadi, like Suleiman, is based in Dallas-Fort Worth. Okay. The heart of an Islamic scholarly revival. Deemed conservative. High profile. Yale-educated. Theologian. He elaborated this in a June article on Al-Jazeera. To his credit, he urges Muslims not to be misled by the political ideologies of the right. Yeah, we're not running to the right. A fool would run to the right. They do not want you there. They may use you, 
as a shield against a problem they couldn't solve because their theology was too weak and their spirituality was too weak to convince their youth. Okay. And they're using Muslims as a shield. Fine. It doesn't matter whether you use this as a shield, hide behind us or not. doesn't make a difference because we're going this way anyway. Man, Catholics even, who I thought, if we're going to have any allies, it'll be the Catholics. I ended up somehow in a Catholic, I was looking up something, and I'm in a Catholic um, listserv or, or, or uh, you know, one of these chats. Bro, they despise Muslims. They loathe Muslims, Okay. So don't think that the Catholics are, are, are too much of our friends. But if I had to choose anyone, I would choose Catholics. But they also have their limits, right? They really have limits. They're just probably easier to deal with. A Sunni Muslim Qadi had a history of shifting the sands of Scripture. Uh, that's pretty rough. He moved from a largely neocon view of Islam to a liberal one. I don't know. He publicly repented for his intelligent views of Shia. I regret statements I made, inflammatory remarks. I wish I could take them back. I don't think he regrets the theological position. Okay. He renounced his allegiance to Salafi Islam. Um, he was no, uh, the Salafi originalist school of Islamic thought is no longer sacred to him because it's become associated with extremists. Okay. Hey, Omar, can you talk for a little bit? I have to get up for two seconds. All right. Uh, give me a, se- a breather for two seconds. I'll be right back. Um, the one song about the coming arc of Lester, if you have any luck with Tina, the Amazon stuff, the Dr. Shadi will be back, inshallah. In two minutes. Hope on mic is good. For some reason, it never, uh, it's, it's never loud. Yeah, so inshallah, um, the RQ semester, so RQ, uh, RQ Arabic is going to be starting soon. Inshallah, if you want to support, you know, go on rq.com, you know, sign up for classes. Inshallah, we have a lot of things planned, so look out for that. Uh, also, La Cocina, you guys already might be aware, uh, with the soup kitchen, want to support that as well, inshallah. Yeah, I know it's uh, something with the mic. The voice is, uh, I don't know why it's low. Um, let's see. What else is there? It's like, uh, if you guys ever have any guests for, uh, like, what's it called? If you have any recommendations for guests, feel free to type them in the chat at any time, and I'll try to add them to the guest list. Uh, we want to try inviting more guests, inshallah. And we have a couple plans for this week or next week. This is live stream. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're gonna have Sheikh Abdul Hakim Murad. Inshallah, we're gonna I'm gonna reach out to him and we're gonna try to uh, have him on the podcast as well. Sheikh Yasir's, yeah, Sheikh Abdullah Nasr is a good one as well. 
So the answer is disassociating with Salafism is not only because of extremism, but also for theological reasons. Assuming this is Yasser Qadi, I'll keep all these in mind and I'll write them down, inshallah. Yeah. Sheikh Abdul Hakim Murad is a big one that we definitely want to. Uh, I'm going to try my best to get him on. Yabar Mirza. Habib Omar. That's going to. It's a big request. But so, yeah, where can I watch the podcast? You can watch it on YouTube. Uh, also on Instagram. Today we're not on Instagram because of some technical difficulties. But on YouTube, I believe on Facebook and Twitter as well, you can watch the podcast. And then Spotify should have like the recordings of the previous podcast as well. So you can go on Spotify. I'm not sure about SoundCloud. Working uh Mufti <laughs> Mufti Mink. Sheikh Hamza Yusuf. Okay, Sheikh Aswad Rashid. Yeah, these are all uh good requests and I have uh, some of these written down already. Playing Omega Pokemon Omega Ruby. Myth background. Yeah, Pokemon I used to love Pokemon growing up. So yeah, inshallah uh, we're gonna I'll, I'll I'll have them on the list as well. Hijab, yeah, Muhammad Hijab, inshallah, we're gonna have, uh, we try our best, try our best to have him as well, Sheikh Hamza Yusuf. A, lo- a lot of these uh, figures are very busy as well, so it's it gets hard to kind of catch these people. Ramzan, yeah, good one. Hasbullah, I actually want to meet him, but hi- the thing is, his English is very like not up to par he's gonna need a translator but i actually would love to have that guy on Hezbollah. yeah you can still en- uh, enroll for argue arabic uh, dr shadi can give you more details on the specifics of the program but just know there's it's a lot of stuff uh, planned we had Shay yahya wrote us on if you go to our previous stream you can search it up on youtube uh, we can always have him back on though game interpreter yeah that's a good idea Khabib, yeah, I, w- I would love to have that guy Khabib, Jihad Brown. Yeah. All righty, here we go. Bismillah. He says here, he's talking now that about Yasir Qadi's um, history here. He says, I do, do disagree with some of the methodological practices, the current Salafi movement, not the Salafi theoretical understanding of Islam. Okay, he's against the harshness, the exclusivity, the way they treat other people. That he disagrees with, okay, but not the theoretical understandings. This again raises the question. When your faith leader turn, when your faith leaders turn, should congregation follow like sheep? Islam repeatedly tells us that people are prone to error and ego. So resilience, uh, reliance, I mean, on humans to filter our faith means dependency on their foils or foibles or whatever or fallibility which is true which is why we follow a jama'ah which is why we follow a madhab something established something um with uh, more than uh, one person why because human have vulnerabilities we have biases we have weaknesses we have politics we have contexts okay all that stuff all right Critics argue 
that because Islam does not support hierarchical structures, adherents should develop a direct relationship with God and understanding of his divine message. Perhaps then Muslims will recoup some agency from both pundits and their own well-meaning spiritual leaders. We don't believe in a specific hierarchy, but we do have hierarchy of understanding. Definitely. Okay. We have hierarchy of understanding. All right. There's a hierarchy. There are, there are ulama that know better than non-ulama, and there are that's why there's jama'a, okay. And there there is there is mashhur al-madhab, okay. All right. This question is critically important in an election year. If the upshot of the combined statements on Ligbidiki-related issues is that Muslims should not support candidates affiliated in any way with that community, then we have two possible consequential outcomes. Muslims either refuse to vote or they will vote for conservative candidates. Of course, these are liberals, so they're going crazy here. According to Aftab Siddiqui, one of the founding directors of the Muslim Democratic Caucus of Texas, this is what happened in the past local election. A young Democrat standing for a city school board who was a Latino Muslim convert was rumored to be gay in an online Muslim group. Uh, this claim, which he never publicly confirmed, led to a vitriolic backlash against him. This resulted in some Muslims, including Democrats, either voting for the other candidate or standing. Okay, that would not be good if it was false on the basis of a rumor, okay, which couldn't he have clarified the rumor, right? What do you expect? Yeah, like you want Muslims even to, to vote for the, for for... Uh, I have a lot of respect for our imams, he said, but they should not get involved in politics. Mm, yeah, I w would also say if you're an imam, you don't necessarily have to tell us who to vote for. Don't tell us who to vote for. Okay. But to tell us what Islam is, that's not a political statement. After 9-11, many Muslims worked hard to build partnerships and allies. That's why when the Muslims banned, Muslim ban began, all Americans came out to support us, including League BDQ. They are a minority under attack from the right, and we should support their constitutional right and not join the Republican agenda. Wait, just because they support, again, that their usul is they supported us, so we should support them. Last month, Trump signaled that if you were reelected, more Muslim ban. This is a real, there is a real chance that Ligbit Q issue, which many feel is being hyped up by the right-wing fear, by right-wing fear monitoring, could result in Muslim voter self-suppression. This comes just when Arab Americans are becoming an important electoral force in key seats like Michigan, as are South Asian Muslims, okay, uh, in other parts of the country. All right, more than a million Muslim voters made a difference in key battleground states, Georgia, where Biden won. Why are we treating Biden like it's like that's something like amazing, right? Like that's the context here is like, oh, he supported you got Biden to be in. Well, why is Biden any good for, for Muslims and Islam? What do we care more about? Just who likes us or who actually respects our deen? If our spiritual leaders must really play a role in a sociopolitical arena, let it be humane, constructive. Okay, he's saying human dignity. All right. Should outweigh all policies. What about gun violence? Wait a second. How is that not a political issue? Right? Yeah, violence, yes, but they're eventually going to get to gun ownership. Immigration. Um, why, how is immigration not a political issue? There's no right in Islam to go walk into another country? 
Uh, rights for women, like what, abortion? We, we can't speak about that either now. As well as human rights or more broadly should be considered, unlike some groups invested in an anti-Ligbidicue agenda. What do you mean some groups? That's what Islam is, is an anti-Ligbidicue in terms of the practice and the belief in it. Uh, as a minoritized community, Muslims understandably become protectionist about their identity and core values. See, again, this person is completely secular. It's not identity and core values. It's, it's the deen. It's a God-given religion. You think we're choosing this? It's not our choice. The, language, the words you choose means a lot here. And while there are genuine religious freedom concerns to keep in mind, as attorney Asma Odin recently chronicled the hill in the Hill okay, uh, regarding Mar the Maryland school officials' treatment of Muslim parents, feeling under siege should not mean losing sight of our humanity or our circumspection. Listen, you all felt under siege after 9-11, and you ran and lost your dean. Forget humanity and circumspection. What about your dean? You went and su supported the left right accepting their promotion of a thousand unlawful matters uh udin was one of the speakers uddin okay uh at a conference Q plus balancing faith and civil rights organized by one of the texas largest mosques in defiance of considerable local and some national opposition with increased security it was possibly the first time that any major Islamic institution has been taken on the subject. Although in no way it endorsed homosexuality, it appeared a courageous and sincere attempt to diffuse growing tension and reach out to Muslims struggling with their sexuality. One of the organizers was the trailblazing initiative, yes, uh, of this trailblazing initiative was Yasir Qadi, and the headline speaker, Omar Suleiman. Qadi said Suleiman's speech at the Bernie Sanders rally was a massive victory for Islam in America, and the community needs to become more mature and stop demonizing those who form alliances with other groups, not our job to be judged during execution or for somebody who's engaged in any sin. Uh, the masjid is open to anybody who wants to come to Allah and his messenger. Perhaps this checkered spiritual path of these charismatic leaders should encourage them to show humility on an issue that has become highly pleasant. By the way, it doesn't make a difference what they say. The religion is very clear on this, right? And you had 200 other people. You think they just followed them, Right. You think just everyone just followed uh, two imams to, to sign that document? They should focus on spreading a message of tolerance. So why don't you be tolerant as well and tolerate those who are against the Ligbidikyu, right? Why does tolerance only go one way, the way you want it to go? Let's pray they also stress Muslim civic engagement and, need, and the need to consider a totality of issues when it comes to voting. Who is Rifat Malik, a freelance journalist in Dallas? Oh, it's a sister. She is... As a, as, a, as a woman, I thought Rifat in our culture is a male. In Arabic, it's a male. Uh, Arab culture, Rifat is a male. Um, but it doesn't have to be a male, it could be a female too. She's the founding editor in chief of American Muslim Today, a nonprofit national digital newspaper transforming the narrative about Muslims in the West. I saw that. Um, website, and it's basically a website that highlights Muslims who made it famous in any way, shape, and form. Some of it good, some of it not that good. There's on the same website, Misrepresenting Islam. Here is an article, let's see. Liberals try to push Muslims to accept an LGBT agenda that is fundamentally at odds with their religion. Okay, who wrote this? Mm. Oh, no, this is WNG.org. 
article by A.S. Ibrahim posted last month. Okay. All right, I don't have time to read this. I'll read it later. We got to run. Some people here, I'm not going to mention names, have dentist appointments. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we got to go. A wonderful thing called going to the dentist. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik nashadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk. Wal asr inna al-insana lafi khusr. إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر والسلام عليكم